Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we are health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week we're talking about testosterone replacement therapy. Do men need it or not? As always, we'd like to know what you think. If you've got a question or have something to say, you can do so on Twitter using the hashtag Medical Minefield. Yes, well, we've been talking about the menopause mm. for the last couple of weeks. So um, let's give the men what about some men? time. Will somebody think about the men for once? I've heard no one does. And specifically, you know, this relates to the fact that over the last few decades, studies seem to show that testosterone levels in men are falling, which is an interesting phenomenon. Yes, most studies seem to suggest that testosterone levels as a whole um, across the whole globe have dropped by about 25% over the last decade, which is interesting. Hormone disruptors. Yes. It's the plastics, it's microplastics. The plastic, microplastics in the 5G. environment. Oh, oh, is it? Could be the COVID vaccine. It's probably Bill Gates or Soros. Could be Soros. Could it be Musk? Who <laughs> could, knows? Could be. But, I mean, low testosterone is endlessly implicated in various poor health outcomes. Um, let me just have a look. I'm just, I'm scanning the Daily Mail. What have we got? Men with low testosterone more likely to suffer multiple illnesses, headline. Uh, low testosterone levels increase a man's risk of suffering depression. Uh, testosterone levels don't drive success. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first. (laughs) Men with higher testosterone levels are less likely to suffer severe COVID. So if you've got low testosterone, COVID, much worse. Well, I think there is a known link between testosterone and COVID, but scientists aren't exactly sure what that is yet. Men with low testosterone levels are at greater risk of Alzheimer's. Uh, oh, uh, men men with low testosterone levels are more likely to die. Oh, it just says die. I don't know. Just that's die. The, that, <laughs> that's a good the, male online that's headline the there. the ultimate just, um, consequence. Gonna, we're all going to die. Basically. Low testosterone. You could cut out the crap in the middle and just, we're all going to die. I wrote about this about 10 years ago when we were talking about, we called it the manopause, mm. the testosterone reduced gradually over time. But this phenomenon seems to be affecting, and, and the studies show, that lower testosterone levels are even seen in men in their 20s, who you'd expect to be very thrusting and virile. Well, the best quality evidence does seem to suggest that if there is this is happening, it's it's more likely to be in men who are over 40. But there is a there is an increasing prevalence in uh, low sperm counts and uh, the, the younger men are struggling to conceive more. There, in, there in have been, yeah, there have been some studies showing that it's more, more than likely to do with the increase in lifestyle related diseases. So obesity, diabetes that kind of thing. But doesn't that have a knock-on effect on testosterone levels? Exactly. So it's a sort of chicken and egg. We're not really sure what comes first. The most likely thing is that lifestyle-related diseases are increasing in prevalence and therefore more men are going to be seeing that their testosterone levels are dropping. And as with any uh, interesting uh, uh, but not fully understood area of medicine, there is now, uh, of course, a huge burgeoning private medical industry just poised to sell people products or drugs or treatments that claim to help treat this uh, issue. That may or may not be an issue. That may yes. or may not be an issue. Whenever there's a grey area, there is a private clinic. I will tell you that for free. When I was writing about this a decade ago, the manopause, there was one mm. clinic, one doctor who was really pioneering 
pioneering this stuff. And when we started looking at it over the last few weeks, I was amazed to see that there are scores of, of private clinics across the UK. There's hundreds of them. The, the, there are internet forums mm. brimming with people talking about and mm. sharing tips on testosterone replacement therapy. It's a huge thing. And these are younger guys as well, people in their 30s, you know, who want to be fitter, stronger. Yeah. It also seems to be presented as a sort of sticking plaster for any sort of suboptimal level of anything that you might be feeling as a young or middle-aged man. So, you know, if your energy levels are maybe dipping a bit, if you're feeling not on top of the world in terms of your mood, if maybe your sex drive is not as it used to be, all of a sudden there's this thing called testosterone that that's probably the problem. And if you just take a bit of that, it's going to give you a little bit of zip and you'll be back to right as rain in no time. I mean, judging by the uh, online testimonials, Mm -hmm. it seems to work. There are, I mean, people are absolutely evangelical about testosterone. They think that it's been responsible for their six packs, of course, or it was certainly vital, contributed vital towards it. Anatomy. Exactly. <laughs> but not only that, you know, they say that before they were falling asleep at mid afternoon and didn't have a lot of energy, didn't have any motivation, and now all of a sudden they're at the top of their game at work and they've got a new relationship and their wife is thrilled that oh. they're, you know, active throughout the day. I mean, obviously, you know, having a six pack and all that kind of stuff comes naturally to me. But, you know... uh, I I can see. I mean, obviously, I'm topless in the the (laughs) studio. But, I mean, do women care about stuff like this? Well, this is what's really interesting. I mean, when you're looking at... Are you asking me personally? Yeah, I'm asking you. Um, I would say that it's not disliked. Oh, really? But, do you know what? Women, from my experience may care about a six-pack for a very small portion of their life, usually in their younger years, late teens, early 20s maybe. And then when they come to realise that actually what they want is someone who they can have a conversation with because that's probably more important than someone Mm. they can just stare at and drool at all day, then, you know, all those things become really not very important and no longer attractive, in my experience anyway. And does testosterone therapy improve your conversation skills? I have spoken to some people who have been on testosterone therapy this week and I would say I have not seen evidence of that. (laughs) But it doesn't mean that it's not true. (laughs) You can be on testosterone and an interesting person. It's possible that he just hasn't discovered Um, someone yet. (laughs) Please come out the woodwork if you're there. I'd love to meet you. But there are major downsides to taking testosterone, aren't there? You know, you can't just rev up your testosterone levels and and, and there be no effect. Yes. So the risks are predominantly when you take testosterone and you don't need it. So you don't have a genuine deficiency. Your levels might be what they call suboptimal. So they're not particularly high, but they're in the range of normal. And the pituitary gland in the brain, which is responsible for telling the testes to make testosterone, basically stops telling the testes to make testosterone. So your natural testosterone supply is cut off. And this results in the and then shrinkage. <laughs> I've been waiting 20 minutes <laughs> to say this. Is, yeah. Go on, say it. Yes. So this results in a range of unpleasant side effects, including uh, the shrinkage of the testes. Lovely. Including a, a reduction of sperm. So they stop producing sperm. Oh, so like men do this because they want to be more virile and actually it makes them... Yeah. <laughs> fire blanks exactly great i know right but also and i guess more seriously it affects fertility so usually within about six months of coming off testosterone therapy the testes begin to take normal shape again and start producing sperm but in some rare cases 
you can be left with permanent damage. And then there's also this problem of dependency because as soon as you stop taking testosterone replacement therapy, your natural levels of testosterone are obviously very, very low, which means that without the replacement, you start suffering terrible, terrible side effects, which are related to the fact that you have no testosterone. So Mm. men will suffer awful hair loss, really, really disabling fatigue, absolutely no sexual function whatsoever. And all these things then make men think, I can't cope without it. I have to go back on it. So the endocrinologists who I've been speaking to who are dealing with these patients who are finding themselves coming off it because they want to have children, but then not being able to stay off it because the side effects are too awful. And they're having to kind of hold these patients' hands through this really awful process. And so they're saying these private clinics need to stop creating a problem and leaving them to pick up the pieces. But still, I can see in the in, in the world that we live in now when young men are bombarded with, you know, the kinds of images, the Love mm. Island physique, everyone's supposed to be muscular and ready to whip off their shirt at any point and tan toned and teeth i mean if you look at some of those physiques there is no way that the average person with a full-time job is able to look like that without having some sort of help or being in the gym 24 hours a day surely some of those blokes are you know injecting a bit of something yeah i think there was actually um one former love island contestant a couple of years ago admitted to had to have his um breast excess breast tissue reduced because that's another lovely side effect of too much testosterone well you've been speaking to someone who thinks that testosterone replacement therapy is fantastic so fantastic in fact he started a company offering it to other people yes joining us now is mike kosis who is the founder of the men's health company balance my hormones and has been taking testosterone himself for 20 years mike how would you say that testosterone has changed your life well, thanks for having me on. Testosterone is kind of essential, kind of the foundation for general health and wellness. And for me, it's made a huge difference. I mean, it's been, I've been on it for so long, it just becomes part and parcel of who I am and what I do. It's improved the confidence, it's improved my, my libido, uh, morning erections are there, and just general sense of well-being. So, I mean, it doesn't mean you're impervious to it, but for me, over the years, 26 years on TRT, it's made made a huge difference. And I can look back to when I didn't have the testosterone treatment and how badly I felt. And it was really, really noticeable. So this this has been a, a huge improvement. And lots of men are suffering needlessly who aren't on TRT. Mike, can I ask, when, when did you start taking testosterone? And how did you get hold of it? Well, I was 22 years old. Uh, at the time, I was living in the United States. And I had been reading up on the symptoms of low testosterone. There was a Newsweek article, picture of a man quite a muscly back and two androderm patches on the back because that's how testosterone was being offered then. It was also being offered with injections, of course, every two weeks. So I went to see um, there's a men's clinic in Ohio where I went to see this doctor and he, he did some tests on me and they, he determined that this, this could possibly help with some symptoms. And he, he put me on like every two weeks an injection, which was quite, kind of what they did in the past. And then he took me off the treatment because he said, oh, no, 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 this is, you'll, you'll balloon up and you'll, you'll turn into an adonis and you'll, have, you know, you'll feel better, but then we're going to shrink it and then your body will remember that level and it will, it will come back to that, which is, which is bollocks, it's nonsense. And what ended up happening was I went nearly a whole year without any TRT at all. And it actually made me worse than where I started. So my case is unique. I mean, I, I think some of the issues I and mean, the causes for me was Baricocil. Baricocils could diminish the, the health of, of the testes, and that's your production factory for making testosterone. So for me, a combination of factors 
But when I was without it for nearly a year, that's when things got really, really bad. I mean, I felt like people say they feel like they're an eight-year-old in a young person's body. So as a 22-year-old, it wasn't good. But when I got back on treatment, eventually testosterone cream, it, it made a huge difference. So, so you were diagnosed with testosterone deficiency? Yeah. Yeah. But again, the United States, it works differently to the UK. I mean, normally with that, people can have testosterone deficiency because of an accident. Or do you, I mean, do you know what triggered it? Like I said earlier, it, it could have been the varicocele. Lots of men suffer from varicoceles, which diminish the amount of testosterone they have. What, sorry, do, could you explain what, what that is exactly? So a varicocele is a bundle of blood vessels within the scrotum that heat up the, the scrotum. It can affect the fertility, and many times it could do just enough damage to the testes to where it could diminish the output of testosterone as well. You need to have a, a good concentration of intratesticular testosterone within the testes in order to have fertility but also in order for enough to spill over so you have a good enough amount of testosterone throughout the rest of your body. Fortunately, much of this is kind of ignored on the larger scale. I'd gone to urologists who said, oh, well, you know, it's probably not going to make that much of a difference because that's when I, I think years later, I thought, well, it's a way to fix the varicocele and then I don't need the TRT. But that's not always the case because once the damage is done, the same thing can happen if you've had the mumps as a teenager or, or any time, as an, even as an adult, if you haven't had the, the vaccine, or even if you did and it wasn't effective, you could have the mumps, which damages the, the testes. So I know there's some discussion about what actually constitutes deficiency, and, and that that definition is different depending on where you are in the world. In your case, Mike, you know, were your levels kind of on the floor, or was it a sort of suboptimal, lower range of normal? Yeah, well, it, it depends on the study, right? Because there was there was a study done, I think, in 2000. 15 that looked at testosterone levels as low as 15 nanomolars per, per liter. The, the uh, Zitmanetol study said some symptoms of TRT can start as low as 15. So that 13.9 would be 400 nanograms per deciliter, about where I started. And the NHS say anything below eight is is considered abnormally yeah, low. Yeah, which which is quite unethical in some ways. When uh, men that go to the NHS built with a, a different biological system where, where eight is enough to function on, I, I don't think so. Um, internationally, there are, there's not a consensus on what the level is, but you, the consensus is there needs to be a diminishment in the testosterone levels and there needs to be symptoms that go along with it. And in my case, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. I've been able to prosper, have a good quality of life, good health outcomes by having a lifelong worth of, of, of TRT. Essentially, nearly a life a time's worth of TRT. And your company essentially advocates the use of TRT to, to a wide group of men, doesn't it? We advocate for those men that have a critical need. But part of the, I suppose, advocacy is the awareness that this could be a problem. I mean, the NHS spares no expense when it comes to handing out SSRIs, um, antidepressants, and as we've seen in recent headlines and studies, that or serotonin might not actually be the cause of deficiency. So my company is trying to make awareness when people aren't able to get the treatment easily or they don't like the quality of service they're being given on, on the NHS. They've got an option to come through us. Have you seen any negative side effects from you? I mean, you've been on testosterone for a long time. Is there anything you've noticed? Yeah, I mean, I had a bit of acne over the years. It quieted down after the first few years. Um, over time, my hair was thinning. It may have been accelerated by the testosterone, but it was genetically predisposed. I increased facial hair, increased body hair. So I guess everything from my head fell down to my chest and, and my face. Um, but uh, what else? Yeah, for me, that's probably about it. Um, 
I haven't seen too many other negative effects from from, uh, from the treatment. Mm. And do you think, I mean, what kind of man are you seeing now coming to your clinic asking for testosterone or, or inquiring about testosterone? Yeah, I mean, usually the 35 to, to 55 around there. That seems to be the, the sweet spot. I mean, they're suffering from low libido, you know, poor morning erections, some with erectile dysfunction, most of them with erectile dysfunction. Those are kind of the, the top three that really are linked to, to low T. But you also get like depressed mood, fatigue, uh, decreased vitality. Cognitive impairment's a big one. You know, people can't think clearly. They complain of brain fog. Of course, brain fog can also be part of uh, an autoimmune disease. An autoimmune disease can also tie into the low testosterone. There's so many causes of low testosterone. Other symptoms are obesity, abdominal obesity, the visceral adipose tissue or VAT, as it's called. You get metabolic syndrome. Even people with hypertension is a result of, of hypogonadism, and, and as well as type 2 diabetes. Men can have low bone density. Because as you get older, if you don't have enough testosterone, if, and if you're lean enough or don't have enough of a, the aromatase enzyme, you're going to get brittle bones. So all these you know, negative effects. If, if men were on painkillers, opioids, etc., uh, antipsychotics, glucocorticoids, they can all lower a man's testosterone level. And so taking testosterone reverses all of these things? Many, many times, but not on its own. It, 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 it helps, just as if you had healthy normal levels, but testosterone and donuts don't mix. You've got to try to work towards a healthy lifestyle. Sometimes the testosterone is the fill-up that's needed to get them motivated into following that healthy lifestyle. Oh, oh you've lost me. You've lost me. If I can't eat the donuts as well, <laughs> if I can't eat donuts, no, you, I'm not, I'm not going to bother. You, I, I noticed well, you mentioned morning erections twice now. What, what's, the, I, what's the significance of this? So testosterone is responsible for the health and maintenance of the penis, the, the, the size and its function. And as you get older, if, you, if your testosterone is deficient, this is usually a telltale sign. Now, I don't think it necessarily means that you, you wake up in the morning, you put your hands up in the air, you've got this massive morning wood, you walk over to the toilet, and you have to fight to keep it down. And we're not talking about that necessarily. It could happen early, early in the morning while you're still in this twilight of sleep, right? I mean, it's nice when that does happen where you've got to fight to keep it. But in general, morning erections are a sign that the, 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 the penis is getting enough blood. And, and that's the time for it repairs and rejuvenates and, and if you're missing that, you're going to have issues like Peroni's disease. You know, that's where you've got a, a curved penis, uh, you know, a, a bend in it. You can have further erectile dysfunction because instead of the, the, the blood vessels going through the, the corpus cavernosal bodies, which is all vascular, it's all about your vascular system, then they can you know, kind of fill up with almost scar tissue. So, so, so wait a minute. Can test, so testosterone replacement therapy gives you a bigger willy? Well, it, it helps increase the blood flow. So testosterone is a vasodilator. Right. I, I'll give up the donuts. I'll give up. <laughs> there are report. There are reported cases of, you know, even adult men having a noticeable difference in in the appearance of the penis. And now whether it means it actually grew, it's probably just what it should have been had it not been all vasoconstricted. Oh, so you're you're, you're in your natural state. You're your authentic self. Yeah, you're, you're the best you that you you can be in in that sense. But. I mean, we have heard this, and obviously if, if someone who was younger were to take it on, on the belief of the testosterone, it says it may cause phallic enlargement wow. so, uh, as a side effect. Excellent. But not, I'm sure it's a side effect. Few people will be complaining but about it. But it will cause your height. As a warning to young people who haven't finished puberty, obviously if they take testosterone and they're too young, it may shorten their final height because it's going to start closing the bones more quickly. Yikes. Wow. Yikes. Wow. Well, Mike, thank you so much. It's been a really interesting conversation and uh, really uh, glad you could join us today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. 
I've seen pictures of Mike, and he is an absolute fine specimen of a man. Huge arms. Guns. Guns. His guns are bulging, mm-hmm. if that's the right terminology. He looks a bit like a cross between Vin Diesel and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I mean, who wouldn't want to, really? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm distracted. All this now. talk of morning erections that you know. I bet you never is a thought that you, when you started out on journalism that you'd be talking to men about their morning erections. Ask women. Uh, I want a straw poll of women how welcome morning erections are. So he's talking about morning erections as in I want to have sex in the morning. Well, I'm guessing so. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, I would have thought just so. Monumentally naive. <laughs> Well, look, I mean, whether this is an upside or a downside is not entirely clear, but the next person on the line is actually seriously concerned about this subject. On the line now is NHS consultant endocrinologist Dr Richard Quinton, who is also a senior lecturer in endocrinology at Newcastle University. Dr Quinton, thanks so much for finding some time. I know you're you're on a holiday at the moment on a lovely beach somewhere. You have expressed great concern about the number of private clinics popping up offering testosterone treatment to men across the UK. Why is it that you're so worried about this? Um, so first of all, testosterone is a treatment for men who have hypogonadism, which is either a primary disorder, the testes aren't working, or else what I call the light switch is turned off so that the pituitary hypothalamus isn't signaling to the testes. And this is a moderately common medical medical condition you know one would expect maybe less than half percent of, of younger men to have something like this and certainly no more than two percent uh, of, of, of older men for the overwhelming majority of, of males their testes remain perfectly functional into old age and so it, it's a controlled drug testosterone it's very good at treating what uh, it's meant to be treating but i am concerned that large numbers of basically normal men are now getting treated with testosterone, which will have consequences to them in terms of shrinkage of their testes um, and infertility. And if they're not properly monitored, essentially risk of thrombosis and uh, blood clots. And plus also, eventually, as these men tire of um, uh, paying for private prescriptions, they may well then seek to transfer the cost to the NHS for drugs that was fundamentally never necessary for them uh, in the first place. To what extent do you think this is being driven by a sort of an idea that testosterone means that you get a bit more pep, that you do better in the gym, you get big muscles, you perhaps do better with the ladies? To what extent do you think that that's driving this trend? So first thing to say is that the men who are consulting these clinics have already made their decision. So they've already decided that they are deficient in testosterone and testosterone treatment is what they want to receive. And what these clinics do is they deliver testosterone treatment basically to all comers. It's very easy to get a blood test for a low testosterone level. Very simple. You do a blood test after a bad night's sleep. You do a blood test after a big meal. Uh, You do a blood test in the afternoon or early evening. So getting a low testosterone on a blood test is very easy, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean anything at all. They're lowest after meals, highest when fasting, highest in the morning, lowest in the afternoon um, and evening. So this is simply market forces. Um, certain men have decided that this is what their problem is and this is the treatment that they need, and certain clicks have sprung up to serve it. 
that need. Dr Quinton, the consequences that we see when the body stops producing natural testosterone because testosterone is being replaced or, or, you know, excess testosterone is being given, are those consequences ever permanent or long-term? So for the men attending these clinics, we don't know. For traditional bodybuilder types who really have been ramming an awful lot of testosterone and also synthetic androgens uh, into themselves over many years, in these men... The best data that we have is that at three years, having stopped, that testicular function has not returned fully to normal. We don't believe that this damage is permanent, the testes are being damaged, but we do think that um, putting an awful lot of testosterone into your system effectively puts your own pituitary hypothalamus to sleep for a long while. And they then take a long time to to wake up when the uh, external testosterone uh, is removed. However, you know, some men, hormone axes can wake up relatively quickly when they stop treatment. And, and actually, I've experienced that quite often in men from these clinics who they've come for an NHS prescription. And I say, you know, I'm not too convinced by the integrity of the original diagnosis that was made. Let's just stop your uh, testosterone. If it's a gel, a couple of weeks will do. If it's a short-acting injection, then might need a month or two. If it's a long-acting injection, may need six months or more. Let's just stop your testosterone. And let's get some proper blood tests done fasted at nine in the morning and we'll see what your levels are. And more often than not, uh, for patients from these clinics, the levels are, are, are entirely normal. And you see these men and they're perfectly normal looking men, normal testes, normal kind of virilization, normal virilization. And most importantly, they, they were never anemic, for instance. So one of the very sensitive markers of hypogonadism when a man is short of testosterone is that their red blood cell count production falls from the bone marrow so that the male hemoglobin falls into the, uh, the childhood or, or female range. Now, in fact, some of these men you see on treatment, they're running high levels of hemoglobin and a high hematocrit, which is the proportion of um, red cells to plasma, which we're pretty sure is associated with blood that's stickier and more at risk of clots and thrombosis. Dr. Quinton, these medications are being prescribed by doctors who work at these clinics and obviously consider that they have clinical justification to do that. They would argue that what they're doing is offering uh, treatment and these men need it. What do you say to that? Well, of course, they would argue that, wouldn't they? Because their entire business model depends on it. So these men certainly want the treatment. Whether they need it, almost certainly not. If they needed it, they would receive the treatment from um, a recognised NHS uh, clinic. So, but I believe it's this uh, some kind of grey area between you know true testosterone deficiency and suboptimal levels. It's not a grey area. It's pure snake oil stuff. It's, it's absolutely not a grey area. The guidelines are very clear. It's very clear who needs testosterone and under what indications. And in these situations, uh, men are being misdiagnosed and treated uh, inappropriately. Just the difficulty is, is, is that there's no proper oversight. None of the doctors in these clinics are endocrinologists have been trained in, in hormone medicine, that's for sure. There's some people who run these clinics that have said to me that they base their what they constitute as deficient off international papers that suggests that anything below 12 nanomoles per litre can be classed as deficient when I know that the NHS says it's anything below 8. What do you think about that? Oh, so, so this idea of there being an international gold standard and the NHS deviating for that is a standard trope brought up with these clinics and it's absolutely not, not true. 
In fact, um, what all the international evidence says is that if your testosterone level is above 12, you're exceptionally unlikely to have hypogonadism. If your testosterone level is below 12, you may have it. And this, of course, has been misinterpreted to say, oh, well, of course, if it's below 12, you've got it. Well, that's absolutely, that, that's a willful misquoting of current evidence. Now, remember that all labs run different testosterone assays. In the US, there are only four laboratories in the whole of the United States that run validated assays. But in the UK, we all have local hospital laboratories, there are also some private laboratories, and generally they're buying in kits from big companies. And this is an area where we would benefit from more standardization. But the idea that actually the NHS allows for a lower normal range than internationally um, established is simply not true. They're willfully misinterpreting, if it's less than 12, you may be hypogonadal, to saying, well, if it's less than 12, you probably are and need testosterone. The evidence absolutely does not support that. And remember, I can get a low testosterone in me if it, whenever I want. I can simply have a bad night's sleep. I can have a massive meal or I can have a blood test done late at night and I'll have a low testosterone level. That doesn't mean that I'm hypogonadal. It doesn't mean that I need testosterone. So the diagnosis is, is a mixture of laboratory blood tests and clinical ascertainment by someone who knows what they're talking about rather than by someone who's trying to sell a product. Well, that's uh, certainly food for thought. Dr. Richard Quinton, thank you so much for sparing some time on your break to talk to us today. Thank you very much. Best wishes from the beach. What Dr. Quinton said kind of reminded me of the situation with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Because I have heard of many cases of women who have had a scan, an internal scan, and they have been diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome because the radiographer or sonographer has spotted cysts on their ovaries. Now, in fact, cysts on the ovaries can be very normal and they're also common in women who have been on the pill for many years. They're also common in women who have been in um, amenorrhea for many Mm. years, so haven't had periods or have had irregular periods. And the crucial thing with polycystic ovarian syndrome is that it's not just the thing that you see on the scan that matters. It's also a set of very specific symptoms. And it's kind of the same with this, that it's not just that a blood test shows something, you also have to have a specific clinical picture Mm. that means that you are likely to be suffering with a particular condition. I mean, it's, it, these things are never as simple as they, they seem, basically. Mm. So any doctor claiming that they're going to be able to give you one pill for yeah. all your ill, I think you need to take what they say with a huge pinch of caution. I think the problem is also that the collection of symptoms are quite vague and are what you will see with a whole bunch of different underlying causes, not least just having a bit of an off week or having a week where you don't sleep very well or, you know, whatever it might be, a fever, an infection. Well, I think it's all the feminising endocrine disruptors. Plastics? Well, apparently tofu. Oh. Mm, vegetarianism. Too much oestrogen in tofu. Oestrogen-like chemicals. Rids you of your testosterone. Yes. Well... I mean, I must say, vegetarians, they're not the manliest types. I am a vegetarian. (laughs) (laughs) I take umbrage with that. If you want to read all about this, you can do so in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday in the paper format on the Mail Plus app 
or on mailplus.co.uk. Tweet us using the hashtag medicalminefield or email us on health at mailonsunday.co.uk. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye.